0: Welcome to the Authentic Accountant Podcast with Seth David and co host Erica Ed. If you've ever wanted to know the real story behind the most successful business leaders in the world today, stay tuned. Every story doesn't have an instant success, peaches and cream background. We'll ask the questions that need to be asked and get the true stories of success. Now, here is Seth David and Erica Ed. Hey everybody, welcome to the
1: Authentic Accountant Podcast. I'm Seth David, and sitting next to me is my co-host, Erica Ed. And we have a very special guest with us today, somebody who I've had with me on many webcasts in the past, and I'm honored to have him on one of our first podcasts with the official Authentic Accountant Podcast. T-A-A-P, John, you've been tapped. John Ferrara, CEO of Nimble, founder of the original CRM, Goldmine. John, welcome. Thanks so much for joining us. Seth and Eric, I'm super
2: excited to be here with you today on a Friday afternoon in hot L.A. Can you believe it's 100 degrees in Santa Monica today? 111. 111 in Burbank. That's what you get for living in the valley, baby.
1: (laughs) Actually, no, this just in. It is now 114. Good Lord. In beautiful downtown Burbank, California. Yeah, but no humidity. You know, there's a blessing there. Nice.
3: I don't know. That's some silver lining you're digging there.
1: <laughs> I mean. But I like the positive thinking. You know, life is about
2: perspective. You can't change the world around you, but you can change the way you look at
1: it. Isn't that effing right, Erica?
3: That is, <laughs> that
1: is effing, effing right. Right. <laughs> right. And if you're really getting resistance, you can just punch somebody in the face. No, I'm kidding. I don't ever do that. No, don't do that. No. So John, I want to kind of dive right in. You created, as far as I'm concerned, the first CRM. I don't want to talk about that, but first I'd like to go back further. Tell me about your high school years. What were you interested in back then? Well, you
2: know, I always sort of marched to a different drummer, and um, I went to Monroe High School in Sepulveda, now called North Hills, because all the cities changed their names to to improve their real estate values. But Sepulveda is a town in the center of the San Fernando Valley, and it was a public school. And um, I just didn't really fit into the gifted classes that they put me into, so I found myself in this thing called SWAS, School Within a School. It was started within Monroe High by these teachers who wanted to teach children more like college students, to empower them to learn in an alternative way, to sit in circles, to call the teachers by their first name, to read things like Thoreau, and to learn about what the CIA was doing in Chile, to really march to a different drummer in life, and um, and it really empowered me to seek out my own destiny and to take chances. and And um, and I, I don't think I'd be who I am today without the dedication of those teachers that created swaths. In fact. We still get together every summer at their house. And one of the teachers was a survivor of Auschwitz, Natalie, wow. who was my history teacher. And when she would write up on the chalkboard and I'd see those numbers on her, her arm, but her beauty, her energy, her vitality, and her desire to help grow us was so empowering that I just fell in love with them and uh, it created a
1: desire to learn in me.
2: I got chills. Yeah, so did I. That is,
3: that is amazing. What a great program. I literally turnaround. have
1: goosebumps, and especially <laughs> the being of Jewish upbringing and having known Holocaust survivors and like what you just described as a survivor. Well, you know, it's yeah. interesting is that um, I think the majority of the teachers
2: were, were Jewish, and I, and I really believe that uh, Jewish people are trailblazers, and, um, you know, Faye Gottlieb uh, and Buda Bob, Bob Livingston, who was our principal, he was my alternative religions uh, teacher. But fast forward to me graduating from high school, and I'm just going to share this, and I'm only doing this so that the people listening to this today know that my journey as an entrepreneur was not um, was not direct, right? I just didn't. Life just didn't happen to me. And uh, so here is uh, my high school graduation picture. That's the guy
1: on the right. I don't know if you can see that. Right. Well, so our audience won't be able to, but we can. So, just for the record, for those listening at home, he looks just like Eddie Van Halen. I think it's more <laughs> like genius, <laughs> but nevertheless, it's amazing. Um, so, so I <laughs>
3: it's genius.
2: But, but, and I'm so I'm just going to pause the the screen just so because you can't see it anyways. But what what you see there is a young man who's 18 years old. Who was pretty bright, but not necessarily didn't do the A through F requirements to get into a university. I majored in um, granola, uh, Birkenstocks, Grateful Dead concerts, and other (laughs) miscellaneous things that you do as a high school student. So I had to actually dig in and and really uh, get my life on the path that it needed to be on. So that summer in 1978, I cut all my hair off. And I bought an Apple IIe. Now, my Apple IIe in 1978 cost me $3,600. And, uh, and it um, it, uh, it it had a computer that was 16K of RAM, a cassette drive, a 9-inch green huh. display. And, um, and yeah, that was it. And there wasn't any software for it to really speak of. Uh, so, so, basically… Amazing. I, I spent my summer learning everything I could about computers. I hung out at the UCLA Computer uh, Club, and I basically was a geek. And then I went to Pierce Community College because I couldn't get into university yet. And I did everything I should have done in high school. And I worked my way through high school at a Computerland store uh, where I learned every single software program on the market. At that time, there were only 300 programs on the market for business applications. And right about this time, the IBM PC was uh, announced, right? And so PCs, right now, at this moment in 1980, there were no computers on desktops. They were all terminals. So I basically sold the first 300,000 computers to Southern California corporations. And in the process, I learned how um, technology resellers sell. I learned how corporations buy. And uh, and I made $70,000 a year working part-time, living at home, going to college. And that was in 1980. That was a lot of money, though. It's a lot of money now. It was a lot of money then.
3: Not a bad so, gig.
2: So, so, <laughs> so I, I, well, the interesting thing is, is that my dad was uh, the number one car salesman in the country in the 50s and the 60s, and I never wanted to be my dad. I didn't want to be a sales guy. My uncle helped invent radar and microwave at MIT, and he was my mentor. He basically built the guidance systems for all the NASA programs, uh, Jim and I, or Mercury, Gemini, and wow. Apollo, and I grew up on his lap admiring him and technology, so I wanted to be an astronaut, I watched uh, all the moon missions, et cetera, and so I basically transferred to Cal State University of Northridge, and I, and I got a computer science degree, and so here I am, graduating in a 1982-ish, and uh, and I have a choice to go get a job as a uh, systems engineer at Hughes Space Communications, or go into sales. so I picked the Hughes technology job, and I spent two years at Hughes, and in the process at Hughes, I learned how technology companies not only adopt microcomputers, but how they're trying to put them to use within the corporation. Now, I spent about a year at Hughes Space and Con, but I transferred to missile systems in the valley, because I lived in the valley, and at that time, they were trying to get the AMRAM missile to hit jets. Now, an AMRAM missile is a beyond visual range jet, air-to-air, and it shoots 80 miles to another jet. And they're having trouble hitting things. And I worked at corporate. And so I figured out how to build a front end in Turbo Pascal that tied together all of the disparate manufacturing, design, test, and uh, build uh, computers in Tucson, where they manufacture them, Huntsville, where they design them, China Lake, where they tested them and, and corporate at Canoga Park, all those disparate minis and mainframes and put it into a dashboard that enabled corporate to figure out what was going on. And about that time, I left uh, Hughes and went and started a com- with a company called Banyan Vines, which was a startup in Boston that was a network operating system company. Now I'm going to stop. See if you have any questions. Otherwise, I'll just continue telling the story.
1: <laughs> no, no. But I, I mean, that's amazing. I'm first of all, I was born in Tucson, by the way, so that was interesting. But um so, so, so I think the the moral to the story for any
2: entrepreneur listening is. Even jobs that you're doing that you think suck or your manager sucks, and I actually honestly struggled as a salesperson at this this startup, Banyan. First, they put me in as a systems engineer, and then they moved me into sales, and there I was struggling to manage my leads and my contacts and communicate with my systems engineer and, and work effectively as a team in the field office as well as at corporate and if, if, if I didn't do these jobs, if I didn't work at a computer store where I learned how resellers sell, if I didn't buy my first microcomputer and learn how people adopt technology, if I didn't uh, work at a corporation and learn how corporations adopt technology, or at this startup, how technology companies build technology and sell it, I would have, A, never invented Goldmine to solve my own needs of relationship management and sales and market automation, but B... After I built that, how would I have brought it to market? So I'm going to bring you to Canoga and uh, basically Ventura Boulevard. You know where that is? Yeah. yeah. So there used to be a company called Lytton over there, and across the street was this apartment building. I live there, and, uh, and I'm just going to share my
1: screen so you can go ahead and- uh right. For those watching at home, you can Google- Canoga and Ventura on Google Maps and you can see the exact area we're talking about. We're all familiar because we're all from California. So, so here is, uh, <laughs> bear with me. So, we'll have to get it. You have to send me these pictures so I can also I, I, live I, them or whatever I, I can do. So, so here
2: I am in, in this apartment. This is my co-founder of Goldmine, Elon and this is his desk where he wrote Goldmine. So, I designed this concept of gold mine and he wrote it and built it and then we had to sell it. And so while he's busy writing the code, I'm building boxes and trying to go out and, sh- and, and schlep them and sell them to customers. And, uh, and I quickly figured out there's only eight hours in the day and for me to be able to sell uh, this software, I needed to get other people to sell
1: it for me. And so what I did was... uh, And I want to point out, I'm sorry, that goes back to what you described in the beginning of your journey. You had experience early on with what it meant to be a reseller and how that worked. So it's almost like the universe prepared you for what was coming. Amen, amen. And so the thing about uh, when I
2: worked at Banyan, it was a network operating system that was sold to enterprises. And there was a little company called Novell that had a workgroup solution that sold to departments, SMBs, and departments within enterprises, and Novell kicked our butt. Why? Because people like to buy from people they like, know, and trust, and they like to buy things that are affordable and easy to get started with, and eventually, those Novell workers became the standard in corporate enterprises. So, when I went to go sell the world's first contact manager, CRM, or even networkable business application before Outlook or Salesforce existed... How do you sell something like that that people don't even know they need? So what I did was I identified the influencer of my prospect, and that's the one who sold the network, and I had a network program to run on top of that. So I got the Nobel Resellers to use it because people sell what they know, and they know what they use. They started to resell it, and basically, that's how we started Goldmine without ever taking a dime of capital. So we started it with $5,000 in the bank, and by the time we sold that company, we were doing nearly a hundred million dollars in revenue and had millions of customers, and it was all because we identified the influencer of our prospect and turned them into a user and evangelist, and um, and that's the secret to goldmine. The, at least the beginnings of it, but there's a twist there, and I'll I'll get to that if you have any
1: questions. Okay, so now I'm, I have a couple of dumb questions. One, where'd you get the five grand from?
2: <laughs> yeah, so I, so I was a sales guy making hundreds of thousands of dollars a year. And, oh, you were, okay. and Although so. I spent quite a bit on my toys and playtime, I had enough money to sort of left. So between Alon and I, that's kind of, that was our okay.
1: Yeah. So, and what did you need the five grand for to get started? Like in those days, what did you have to, today it's so much easier to start with no money, but I'm curious yeah. what it was like then. Well, that was basically our
2: macaroni and cheese and beer money. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, we did buy some things. I mean, if you look at the, if you look at my screen here, you could see that we printed sleeves and label, well, this label is actually printed on a laser printer. But um, yeah, so, you know, in the early days we had to do, you know, we, did, we went to some trade shows in the early days. It was called Sales Pro in its or first rendition. And, and actually we changed it to Goldmine after, um, my dad actually was the inspiration of the word Goldmine. And the deal was, uh, when we used to go to the cheesecake factory over on Canoga or wherever it was in Canoga park, it was always packed with people. And he said, this place is a gold mine. I said, dad, what's a gold mine? He says, it's like pinks, hot dogs. It's like cupids. It's like people, Tito's tacos. It's like people just line up and they throw money at you. And so, uh, as I said, well, isn't people's contacts and their prospects like their gold mine. And the more you sort of work that, the better it is. And so so we basically got to the point where we we're making fifty, dollars $100,000 a month in revenue. And we moved out of our apartment and we moved into a sublease across from Joe Reader's um, um, headquarters where they basically make those muscle magazines. And, and we started to grow. But about this time, Microsoft hired the former founder of Banyan and they built NT server, SQL server, and Exchange server, and they ate Novell. So Microsoft doesn't innovate, they iterate. They wait for somebody else to build the market. Then they come out with a product that's big enough. Once a market has grown enough and they build something that is good enough, and then they use the muscle of their hundreds of thousands of bars and billions of customers. And we saw the writing on the wall. So we basically built the enterprise version of Goldmine because the our customers were saying, well, we love the DBase base backend, but we want something more scalable like SQL. And they said, we love the email uh integration with IMAP and POP, but we want something more secure. And so we basically built enterprise goldmine that said, you needed SQL server, Exchange Server, and NT server to run it, thereby solving our customers' needs for a scalable solution, solving our VAR's need where they made $10 on every dollar of goldmine on products and services, and we became the number one Microsoft ISV and Balmer would do the monkey dance at a conference every year which is where, by the way, I think he got the idea of buying Great planes and building Dynamic CRM. But this basically gets us to about 1999, where we'd run the company for about 10 years. And, uh, and you know, I, I just, I got to the point where I said, I've done this for 10 years. I really haven't seen my friends in 10 years. I don't spend much time with my family. And how much is enough? So we sold the company in 1999 and, uh, and
1: I retired. So this is a good point to uh, stop on for a minute because, first of all, I want to just recap because some of that, you know, was kind of quick, I think. The, the key strategy was you put the product in the hands of the people who were talking to the people who would use your product, right? Yes. That was no And, of course, you made a really good product, and it started with solving a problem that you had. Yes. And what was that problem exactly in 30 seconds or less? So, essentially, they put me in sales and gave me sheets of paper called leads, which are really
2: phone numbers of IT people and big corporations said, go get them. So, I call, cold call them, make notes on the paper, put my appointment to my day timer, I'd communicate with my team with pink while you're out, slips. So i an email, I'd have my network scheduler to schedule my appointments, but email and calendar weren't connected to the most important ingredient, the contacts, and there was no program, that integrated email, contact, and calendar, plus I did my forecast on a pipeline or in a spreadsheet and I wanted forecasting and some drip marketing all integrated to contact management. And back then there was no outlook and there was no term CRM. So I
1: basically invented contact management and CRM and sales and market automation. Gotcha. All right. We're got to take a quick break and pass the basket. So we're going to do that. And then we're going to come back after the break and we're going to find out what happened next in John's story. So... So, Erica, did you know that I used the original DOS version of QuickBooks?
3: I did not know that.
1: My first job in college, I was using the DOS version of QuickBooks by Intuit. Wow. And it's amazing. One of these days, I'll have to show you a video of what that looked like. Yeah. And how far it's come until today.
3: Yeah, unbelievable. Because
1: when I think about what it's come to and what we're doing with QuickBooks Online now and QuickBooks Online Accountant, I mean, we're building our accounting business based on lightning pace efficiency and QuickBooks Online account as well as QuickBooks Online make it really easy for us, right? The efficiency we're able to create by using QuickBooks Online and the apps have made it so that we can get the work done that would normally probably take a staff of 10 to accomplish. So I don't know how others are doing it, but I'm so glad we're using QuickBooks Online and QuickBooks Online account.
0: Nerd Enterprises Incorporated is a numbers agency. We offer a wide range of services, from bookkeeping to financial modeling and cash flow projections. Our consulting services enable you to do what you do best by giving us the accounting and back office tasks that we do best. Nerd Enterprises, Inc. is one of the worldwide leaders in QuickBooks, Microsoft Excel, and other productivity-based training. If it's one-to-one or one-to-many, we log in with you, so you can share your screen and we get you through it. Plus, all sessions are recorded so you can review those recordings anytime you like afterwards. For more information, visit nerdenterprises.com. Intuit QuickBooks is dedicated to powering prosperity around the globe for accountants, small businesses, consumers, and the self-employed. With products and services like QuickBooks Online Accountant and the QuickBooks Pro Advisor Program, accounting professionals can save time, grow their practice, and act as strategic advisors to their small business clients. By working together as partners, Intuit can help you leverage the latest technologies and work with you to create tomorrow's future innovations. Go to books.intuit.com to find out more find out what's happening on the voice america talk radio network by keeping up with us on twitter you can find us at voice america trn listening to the authentic accountant podcast to find out more email seth at nerd that's seth at nerd now back to the authentic accountant podcast
1: okay welcome back everybody so john when we left off you sold gold mine and then what happened Well, you know, I thought that I'd just
2: go back and do something again soon. Uh, The day that Goldmine closed, my second baby was born, so I had two boys at the time, and uh, a funny thing happened on the way to uh, the forum, if you will. Uh, So uh, I started to work out a lot. I was mountain biking a lot. I was in really great shape, lost a lot of weight. I think I got up to like 185, 90 in in Goldmine, and I was down to like 170, 175. I was riding this loop up in the Santa Monica Mountains in like under an hour, which is like a 2,000 vertical foot climb. It was uh, uh, Sullivan Canyon, really great place to mountain bike. And then all of a sudden, I just started feeling weak that summer, and uh, and I uh, was on lawns boat in Turkey, in the south coast of Turkey, and I couldn't get out of bed. And so I went and saw this doctor, and he, he couldn't speak English. It was like a town with dirt roads, and he basically kind of mimicked at me that I had strep throat. So I went back home, and I went to, the, to my doctor, which I never go to the doctor because when you're you know, 40 years old. You don't really go to the doctor that much. And he said, "Yeah, you, you do have strep throat. Here's some antibiotics." So I took those. After two weeks, he basically the the thing in my throat, this little red strawberry thing, was still there. And he said, "Yeah, maybe it's a virus. Come back in 10 days." So at that point, I took it into my own hands, and I got a referral for a, a local ENT ear, nose, and throat doctor. His name's Dr. Sugarman. He ha- happens to be uh, Whitney Houston's and Frank Sinatra's uh, ENT back in the days. Um, Crazy. And he looked at me in five minutes and said, John, you need to go get a, 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 an MRI and, uh, and maybe a biopsy. Mm-hmm. So he referred me to a place to get an MRI, did that, went to the head of head and neck surgery at UCLA and showed him it, and he basically said, yep, uh, this is serious, we need to take a biopsy, and uh, and we'll know in 10 days. And so they cut a chunk, like you take your pinky finger, and you basically, you know, they cut a chunk out of the back of my uh, throat, if you will. It was in my soft palate, so if you put your tongue on your mouth and you drag it back from the hard part to the soft part, it was kind of back there, and, um, and so basically they gave me a call and said it was squamous cell carcinoma, which was a very fast growing mm-hmm. dangerous tumor. And it was about, yep. I don't know, it was pretty big, like a golf ball size. And uh, oh. so I, um, I spent the next month or two uh, talking to a variety of institutions. And here's a tip. You need to take ownership of your own health. And when you do become ill, You need to be your own advocate. You need to get educated. You need to figure out what is the best course of action. And then you need to do that and commit to it. And so I talked to doctors at Mayo Clinic, Sloan Kittering, UCLA, USC, uh, Cedar Sinai. And I went with UCLA. There is a new technique where they can use radiation to burn the tumor in the middle of your head without touching anything else. So imagine the tumor is in my head. How are they going to burn it? Have you ever used a magnifying glass on a leaf? Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. So you could focus the beam on the leap. You could focus radiation in the center of your head and aim it in such a way it doesn't your taste buds your salivary glands, which today I still have those, and knock on wood, they burned it and I survived. But going wow. through wow. that process, you know, you, you, when you come close to dying, you really evaluate life mm-hmm. and, and yourself and things. And I. And I, and I got to this sort of, I not only committed to a Western task of medicine, but also some Eastern homeopathy as well as some meditation and, uh, and some growth things that I was doing, not like growth drugs, but just spiritual growth. Mm -hmm. And after getting healed, I came to a conclusion, which became my philosophy of life. And here it is that we are on this planet to grow our souls by helping other people grow theirs, And that's Mm it. That all you leave on the planet is the vibrations of the moments that you've been connected to another human being or to parts of the universe itself, right, mountains, whatever. And all you leave is the vibrations, the moments of the connections that you've been with that person. And our purpose is to be present and aware enough to listen, to learn, to find ways to ideally add value, even if it's simply giving a smile. Which is the the cheapest and best gift you can give to another human being, and that's it. So that's all you leave this planet with. And, and, and Seth, that's why I love you, man. That's because our relationship isn't about cookbooks or nimble or or really anything. It's really adding value to each other. And I think that we teach and we learn from each other over the many years that we've been friends. And so um, I think that's what we did at Goldmine. We help other people grow at scale. And along the lines of this, as my kids grew, I had another child, a baby girl, and they all got into uh, grammar school and they basically, I had time on my hands. So I started to use social media around 7, and eight and I immediately saw how it was gonna change the way we work, play, buy and sell. And I started to look for a tool that helped me to manage my social conversations because I was going to Twitter and Facebook and LinkedIn and managing all these conversations in these distinct places. And I found something called HootSuite that allowed me to manage the conversations, but the conversations weren't connected to contacts. And so I said to myself, well, really, there's a need to integrate conversations to contacts, so I could then build this database of contacts that I'm connecting to in all these disparate places. And so I started looking for a contact manager that integrated social. And what I found was that contact management was broken. Now. Contact management at that time had evolved from Exchange Server and Outlook to cloud-based solutions like Gmail, G Suite, and iCloud. And in all those platforms, email, contact, and calendar are three separate programs. They're three separate tabs. So if you go to a Google contact record, which you never do, by the way, if you do go to your Google contact (laughs) record, there's no history of interactions on email, calendar, and there's no, or social, and there's no information about who they are. It's only information that you type. And so if you go to your inbox and you get an email from John Ferrara, you don't have the history of conversations that you and the team have had with John Ferrara, let alone who he is, let alone the ability to follow up and follow through or take a note or schedule a task. And so I said to myself, well, contact management is broken in and of itself because contact should be linked to email and calendar and social. And then I started looking at CRM and saw that CRM isn't really about relationships. Now CRM stands for Customer Relationship Management. should really stand for customer reporting management because crm systems are designed for reporting and for management command and control not for relationships most business people build relationships in email and spreadsheets or in in um in social
1: now and so and also if i can throw something in there yeah it it shouldn't even be customer because i'm managing relationships with lots of more people than just customers. Yes. I'm managing relationships with prospects, vendors, yes. colleagues, yes. so. Yes,
2: and and that's I think that, that becomes the crux of the matter is that today, there are silos of applications in businesses, in sales, marketing, customer service, accounting, and social media. So in sales, they have CRM. In marketing, they have the marketing program. In accounting, they have the accounting program and in customer service, I have customer service, and then everybody has a contact platform, but every single team member in Office 365 and Gmail G Suite has separate contact database. And so everybody, there's no unified record of relationship that basically rides across all those departments. And so I saw a huge opportunity to create a, a, a new version of Goldmine in the cloud that essentially layered on top of Gmail G Suite or Office 365 that e- integrated your email, contact, and calendar and enriched them with people and company data and then let you use it wherever you want to work. And so I got back in the saddle, built a team, and we built Nimble. That's, That's amazing. amazing.
3: It really is. It's,
2: it's a it's a great
3: product. I love it.
2: Thank you. It is really- and, and, and the thing is, is I was early to the market because when I started the company in 2009-10, People didn't really understand that uh, what Twitter, Facebook, and LinkedIn were. Most people didn't know what Twitter was. If they were using Facebook, they thought it was a great place to hook up with a high school sweetheart, and they thought LinkedIn was a place to get a job, and that Twitter is just a place where a bunch of propeller heads told each other when they're going to the bathroom. And <laughs> so, Wait,
3: wait, it's not that?
1: <laughs> <laughs> just kidding. So, well, I think, John, you and I met right around when you started Nimble. Maybe yes. you were a year in by then. Yeah. And the way we met was really, I think, a testament to, even more so now, what we're trying to do. Because it's about establishing and maintaining contact with all kinds of people, not just customers. Yes. Right? Yeah. And I went to a party that I was invited to about, in those days it was a release of what was then a new operating system for iPhones, I think, or maybe, no, maybe it was Android, whatever it was. It was Lollipop or Ice Cream or whatever they called it. It's Android. And yeah. And then, and I met a guy who worked for you, and he, after talking with me for a, while, was like, "You got to talk to my boss, John Farrar, because I think you guys should talk because there's a lot of overlap and synergy between what you guys are doing." Because I was telling him what I do with content, and you know, and then it was it was perfect. And I, I remember when we met, and I remember we discovered that we had your brother in common. <laughs> yeah, he was a customer of yours. Yeah, he had been a customer of mine, which was great. So. Fast forward today, you know. Of course, we use Nimble in our company exclusively, and in fact, recently last week, as of the time we're recording this, I did a webinar like I do every Friday and showed people, among other things, how I use Zapier to grab information from a forum that people fill out in Airtable, and then takes that data and pulls it out of Airtable, and it pushes it into QuickBooks Online and creates a new customer for me, and it pushes it into Nimble and creates that contact information for me. And I gotta say, it's such a lifesaver when I can go and pull up a contact and I can see emails that Erica has exchanged with them. And like you said, this way I have context and I can look at something before I get on a phone call with somebody and understand what the conversation has been so I can go into it and speak to the person intelligently. Amen. And, and and that's what everybody loved about Goldmine
2: was that when you bring up a record, you have context, the history and actions that you and the team have had. And the beauty of Goldmine was everybody in the company used it, not just salespeople, because it was Outlook and Salesforce combined. So everybody lived in it. So everybody was on one page, which goes back to the point that you made earlier, which it's not just prospects and customers you need to connect to in order to grow your business. Ideally, you're connecting To At Nimble, we connect to editors, analysts, bloggers, influencers, third-party developers, investors, advisors, and prospects and customers and their influencers as much Mm -hmm. as possible. And and Seth, you are an influencer, right? You are the trusted advisor of of thousands of businesses, right? Mm -hmm. So if you're gonna scale a business, you need to identify the key influencer of your core constituency in and around the areas of promise your product And that's how we built Goldmine. And guess what? It's how we built Nimble. So Mm -hmm. let's talk about how we got the Nimble brand out of the garage of my backyard. So so here I am in my garage, my backyard, starting Nimble in 2010-ish. People don't know they need a social CRM. They don't know what social selling is. We pioneered all this before it was popular. How do you bring it to market And back in the day, there weren't resellers selling cloud-based software like there was in the Novell days because most resellers were still selling on-prem. So what I did was I figured out who are the influencers in sales, marketing, and social media and went and began to share their content in order to attract people who want to become better, smarter, faster at social sales and marketing. And I hashtagged the content Pound Sales, Pound Marketing, Pound Social, and I attributed their name, which attracted people who want to learn more about sales and marketing and social, or that were audiences of that influencer, or the influencer themselves, which we then started a conversation with the influencer and turned them into a friend, Nimble customer, and evangelist, and that's how we built the Nimble brand globally,
1: without spending a dime of money on marketing. That's amazing. Brilliant. So we're going to take a break in a few minutes, but before we do, Erica, what are you taking away from all this? I mean, I heard, John, you describe going through one of the darkest things a person could possibly go through, right? You said it. You thought you might die. Yeah. Right? And you talked about how you got through it. You started to recognize what was important, and that's where you put your focus. And it made you – it sounded I, – when I got out of that, and I had chills, and you almost made me cry, actually, is – how you start to place emphasis on the things that are most important as a result of that experience. Erica, what did you take away?
3: Yeah, no, I agree. I think that's, that's the key in anything we do in life and in business is, you know, if we stick to what's important, right, that that's where our our success is. But I, I really appreciate the strategy of how you, you know, with Goldmine and then, and then you repeated it with, uh, with nimble in the strategy of getting the product to market. Um, Mm. Yeah. I mean, that's that's valuable. That is that is probably yeah. one of the most valuable things for a business owner is is that strategy.
2: And this can be applied to anybody listening today because I truly believe that your network is your net worth. Your personal brand brand plus your professional network will help you achieve your goals in life. And your goals in life should be serving others. That yeah. I believe services the new sales. The more people you can outgrow, the more you will grow. And if you enter into every interaction, every conversation, every opportunity with the intent to listen, to learn, to find ways to add value to that other person, you can build a gold mine. I know I did. Right. There you go. <laughs>
3: I mean, and, and there's so much truth to that. I think there are, there are millions of products and, and millions of people who are all doing the same thing today. Mm-hmm. And the thing that really makes companies and, and, and products stand out is that level of service.
4: Mm -hmm. And
3: and if you're doing it from a selfless place of really offering this as a way to be of service to another person or to, to really to fix a problem that you know exists, you know, that's that's pure. That's that's authentic.
2: And you need to basically tell great stories and get other people to tell those stories because it's more powerful when other people talk about you than when you talk about you. And in fact, you shouldn't talk about yourself or your products. Nobody cares. People care about themselves. People care about how they might become better, smarter, faster. So if you're going to talk about anything, you should be talking about how other people can become better, smarter, faster and you can get other people to tell those stories and if you do that, then your brand's unstoppable. And I think that's one of the most powerful branding things that you can remember from this conversation is if you are sharing content that 80% of it should be about Uh, how other people can grow 20% maybe about
1: you and or your product. Right. And I remember you taught me this again a few years ago, John. because I remember I came to you and I was making some significant changes in the direction of my business. And I reached out to you because I'm like, John, I feel like in some ways I'm starting over and I asked you to provide me with some guidance. And I remember, I'm sure you remember this. We would get on a call like every Saturday for about an hour And you taught me about something you said earlier, which goes back to the strategy that you want to align yourself with the influencers of the people who are in your target market. Right. And so you said to me, you said, Seth, your target market are small business owners. Find out who's influencing small businesses and go get aligned with them. And as a result of that guidance and and, and sharing their content and getting their attention and actually participating in the conversation, um, you, you get seen as one among them. And as a result of that guidance, I'm going to be interviewing Gene Marks on this very podcast, and that was directly thanks to you. That's because great. I got to know him through social media based on exactly what you taught
2: me. And, and I have a story about that, because I think we learn from stories, right? If I tell you how to do something, you're going to forget about it. But if I tell you a story that relates to human interactions that are common, you'll remember. So do I have two minutes to tell a story? We have about one minute left. Okay, so I'll talk fast. So (laughs) imagine you walk into a business function, a cocktail function. You just don't walk in the room and say, hey, anybody wanna buy some accounting consulting? You (laughs) you walk in the room and you look around. You identify people that you might wanna connect to, the other thought leaders in the room, And you go and stand adjacent, and you listen to the conversation, and then you learn from the conversation, and you begin to add value to the conversation, just like a jump rope. You don't run up to the jump rope and jump in. You step next to it, and you wait for your moment. And so if the conversation's going like this, that, or the other thing, and you add a little bit of value, say, oh, yeah, you know, I remember when this happened, or have you ever thought about that? And somebody's going to turn around and look at you and go, gosh, Seth, you seem to know a lot about accounting. What do you do? Well, in fact, I'm a... QuickBooks consultant, and I've been helping tens of thousands of businesses. Oh, tell me more about that. And all of a sudden, you're having this deep, wonderful conversation with this influencer, Gene Marks. Other people walk in the room, they say, Oh, who's that guy standing in Gene Marks? He must be one of the influencers. And all of a sudden,
1: you are one of the influencers. (laughs) Right, right. And on that note, and it's a perfect note to end on, what you just described, John, is something I started doing the day I started Nerd Enterprises, which is to build a business that's based on a program of attraction rather than promotion. Amen,
0: brother. All right, let's take a quick break. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. Nerd Enterprises Incorporated is a numbers agency. We offer a wide range of services, from bookkeeping to financial modeling and cash flow projections. Our consulting services enable you to do what you do best by giving us the accounting and back office tasks that we do best. Nerd Enterprises, Inc. is one of the worldwide leaders in QuickBooks, Microsoft Excel, and other productivity-based training. If it's one-to-one or one-to-many, we log in with you, so you can share your screen and we get you through it. Plus, all sessions are recorded so you can review those recordings anytime you like afterwards. For more information, visit nerdenterprises.com. Intuit QuickBooks is dedicated to powering prosperity around the globe for accountants, small businesses, consumers, and the self-employed. With products and services like QuickBooks Online Accountant and the QuickBooks Pro Advisor Program, accounting professionals can save time, grow their practice, and act as strategic advisors to their small business clients. By working together as partners, Intuit can help you leverage the latest technologies and work with you to create tomorrow's future innovations. Go to Quick books.intuit.com to find out more. Find out what's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network by keeping up with us on Twitter. You can find us at Voice America TRN. listening to the Authentic Accountant Podcast. To find out more, email seth at nerdenterprises.com. That's seth at nerdenterprises.com. Now, back to the Authentic Accountant Podcast.
1: Welcome back, everybody. We're talking with John Ferrara, CEO of Nimble, formerly CEO of Goldmine. And we're talking about the journey. We talked about what it was like, talked about what happened, Built Goldmine, we sold it, focused on family for a number of years, went through something really tough, and came out of it on the other side, thank God, alive and well. And then we built Nimble. So we built a second company, second CRM. And I'm curious, and if you don't want to answer this part by all means, just say so, but were you under any kind of non-compete with Goldmine that when it expired you thought about doing Nimble, or was coming up with Nimble totally independent of any of that?
2: It was totally independent. I, I never thought I'd do it again. I mean, you ever seen the movie Shawshank Redemption? Yeah. Do you remember when he's crawling through the shit pipe? out of Yeah. The, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's kind of like what it is to be an entrepreneur. Goldmine
3: gold was your shit pipe. Is that what you're saying? It was.
2: It was. I mean, no, there, it isn't easy to be an entrepreneur. Nobody hands you shit and, life, and you've got to crawl through shit to make uh-huh. shit happen. And so I knew what that journey is and meant and was, and I never anticipated ever doing it again. I thought I would just raise babies and be a, a valued uh, dad and, and husband and member of my community. But I, I think that great musicians hear notes in their head, right? So when you know uh, Keith Richard wrote uh, Angie or you know, whatever song that you love, it started out with a couple of notes and then it just it sort of just evolved. And so I uh, you know it, it evolved for me and and I just felt the need, like the passion to go do it. And it also aligned with my belief of my philosophy of my goals in life is that we're here to help other people grow. And I saw an opportunity to help millions of, of new business people grow around the globe. And so that's why I got back in the saddle. But but there's an interesting twist to the story that brings it full circle, and here's the twist. So, when I started Goldmine, it was a layer on top of Novell, which was the operating system of a business. When I started Nimble, it layered on top of Gmail G Suite, which was the Novell of the era. Think about it. If you had PCs and hard drives and printers, you connected them with Novell back in the day. But when you did it in the Google Cloud era, you didn't need Novell server or switches or anything. It was all wireless, and you basically needed no, uh, Gmail G Suite to have email contact calendar and drives in the cloud and to run cloud-based software. So that was our Novell, and we basically aligned ourselves with Google and went to market with them and their customers, and it was amazing. But guess what happened? Guess who knocked at the door? Microsoft. Microsoft. (laughs) Because Microsoft doesn't innovate. They iterate. They wait for somebody else to build the market. Then they come out with something good enough. And they came out with Office 365. When Office 365 came out first, it was like, really? It's like, it just wasn't there. But Microsoft doesn't stop. And I truly believe that Satya is an amazing leader. And he's transformed that company. And Office 365 has now eaten uh, Gmail G Suite. There are over 180 million Office 365 customers today, which is a fraction of the billions of customers that are still on Exchange and Outlook, and there's seven million G Suite customers. So it's literally game over, and we saw that happening four years ago where we built onto not only Gmail G Suite and iCloud as email, comic, and calendar, but also Office 365, and began to partner with Microsoft in some go to market strategies, which has now resulted in Microsoft signing a reseller agreement with Nimble where they are reselling Nimble with Office 365 worldwide through their resellers. In fact, I don't even have to sign a contract with resellers. Microsoft is my representative. All I need to do is get a reseller interested and they basically will buy Nimble right from the same portal that they buy Office from. And Microsoft is bringing us into the resellers and recommending us as the simple serum for Office 365 because they believe we make Office 365 sticky and and get it sold, which is basically what we did with Exchange Server, NT Server, and SQL Server. We were the third-party product that sold the first-party product and made it sticky, and now we're doing that with Office and have since signed up tech data and hosting providers like Endurance, which owns Bluehost, Dreamhost, and HostGator, signed up, uh, you know, large distributors and resellers globally, but what's most exciting is now we're becoming the gateway drug to Azure because Azure is the holy grail for businesses. Think about it. Five years ago, businesses said, I'm never moving my servers to the cloud More recently, they've dipped their toe in the water with Exchange server becoming Office 365 servers, moving that out of the closet. And soon, it'll follow all the rest of the servers because it isn't a business today that hasn't been hacked or won't be hacked. And they can't afford to maintain the servers and the firewalls. Basically, maintaining servers will become a thing of the past. And if they're going to put their servers in the cloud, they already drink the Microsoft Kool-Aid. So they're going to put it in there. We're going to build Nimble so you basically hit a button and all of a sudden your data is just sitting there in Azure and can automatically talk to all your other systems through things like Power BI Flow and Power Apps, which we're going to embed. And Basically, we're going to be the third-party product that drives first-party adoption of Microsoft's crown jewels, including Dynamics CRM, who we are an active partner with today. In fact, if you were to talk to Ask Mark Benioff or the people that started Dynamics CRM, what's the one product that you used that you converted mostly from when you basically launched your CRMs? And they'll say, if they're not lying, gold mine. Because every business wants something simple to get started with, and that's what Nimble is. Nimble is the number one in ROI satisfaction of ease of use globally of all the CRMs. And I believe that we can then upsell people into Dynamics and actually make a piece of that action. And when they do use Dynamics, they could use Nimble as the, as the engagement piece because you have to go to Dynamics to use it. Nimble lives in your Office 365 and all the other business apps that you use, and we bi-directionally synchronize with Dynamics. So we basically enrich your 365 and Dynamics contacts and then let you use it anywhere as you work, including back inside of QuickBooks.
1: Right. By the way, you want to hear a funny story? So talking about bi-directional sync, I was trying to get it so that when I add a contact into Google, it would go into Nimble and vice versa. And I know PySync actually does this, but I don't use PySync, I use Zapier. So Which I created a Zap by the that way. said, if you see a new in your contacts and Google contacts, stick it in Nimble. And I created another zap that goes the other way. And guess what happened? Duplicate. I started creating a game of ping pong between the two systems because yeah. what <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> so no, just, obviously I had to rework that one. So, so PySync
2: is built in Nimble for free. So you should just use mm-hmm. it. Yeah. And if you need help with that,
1: uh, we're happy to help you. Okay. Yeah, of course you are. Uh, great customer support with the product. So you kind of got into what I was going to ask you to go into anyway, which is the what it's like today part. And I was going to ask you, you answered the question also, because I knew you were up to something going up to Washington all those times. There was a time when I remember it was like every other week, you're like, yeah, I'm going up to Washington. I'm going to Microsoft. And I'm like, He's, I thought you might be looking to sell Nimble to Microsoft, but now it all makes sense.
2: Well, so, I, I really believe that Microsoft is missing a simple CRM and that Nimble is quickly becoming strategic for them. And if, uh, if if you know, it, it could happen one day where it becomes part of the portfolio. And, and this would fulfill my dream because my dream is to have millions of people around the world using Nimble and what better, faster, smarter way to do that than to basically ride uh, Microsoft, it's billions of users, it's hundreds of thousands of ours, and, you um, and it's
1: uh, Office 365. Gotcha. So aside from what you've already told us, well, let's talk about the product specifically. What's on the roadmap in the near future? What are we going I mean, some of the stuff we should talk about first that you've done that's amazing is, and I use this a lot now, the feature where I can go search out somebody's contact information. So if I don't have somebody's email, I click a button, and if that email address is out there, Nimble pulls it in for me, which makes it
2: really yeah. easy to reach out to. So I think the biggest cause of failure of CRM is lack of use, and the second one is bad data. Lack of use because you work for the CRM, and it doesn't work for you. And you have to go to it to use it. Bad data because even if you beat on your salespeople to type the data in, people change and companies change. And so what you want is you don't want people Googling people. You want people nimbling them. And that's the beauty of our plug-in into your browser, which works in Chrome, Safari, Firefox, Edge, and
4: Mm-hmm.
2: whatever um, and it plugs in and you can basically hover on anything anywhere and you don't even have to hover because Nimble's smart in most applications that you're in so if you turn it on in like QuickBooks or MailChimp or whatever we know where you're at but you just hover on a name, an email, a social handle, even a string of text in a business article. Nimble will build a record automatically and then you can get their email and contact info by using our prospector uh, technology, which then gives you the ability to reach out and connect. And so the future of Nimble is we built the world's first CRM that, that, that people love to use because it works for them. It automatically builds a database from your email, contact, and calendar and iCloud, Office, Gmail, G Suite, and Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, et cetera, all the social apps, plus over a hundred SaaS business apps. So that means that if you have QuickBooks or MailChimp or even another CRM like HubSpot, it doesn't matter. We will automatically unify all those disparate contacts and enrich them with the history of interaction, the email, calendar, and social, and then let you use it back in any of those applications so that wherever you are, you get context and insights from all the people on your team, every interaction, and most importantly, you can take action because that's the third biggest cause of failure in business is lack of follow-up and follow through. And that's because you have to go to your contact tool or serum to log that note or to schedule that task. And that's the beauty of Nimble. It's the first serum that works for you and works
1: with you everywhere you work. Right, And it and works I
3: wonderfully. It. It? I, I love it. It works wonderfully. Yeah.
1: Thank you. I joke with people that Nimble Not gives here. you the ability to properly cyberstalk somebody. <laughs> that's you, right.
2: You, well, like, right? you know what? It's
1: your job
2: to know who somebody is and what their business is about. In yeah. the old days, we yeah. did that by going in somebody's <laughs> office and looking at the walls the books and the, and, the, and the pictures, today you can do it electronically. And I'd love to offer anybody listening uh, a code, J-O-N-40, where they if they sign up for Nimble, within the two weeks of the trial, they get 40% off their first three months as a gift to your listeners and to thank you, Seth and Erica, for letting me get on my soapbox and tell my entrepreneurial journey today with
1: you. John thank you so much for being with us it's an honor to be able to call you a friend truly and I just I knew you were going to make my job easy on this and take us through the journey and the experience it's very inspiring very powerful and I just I can't express how much I appreciate you John you too man
0: love you man love (laughs) you you. right, that's that's a wrap. wrap Thank you for tuning in. New episodes of the Authentic Accountant Podcast are heard every week on the Voice America Business Channel and on your favorite podcast site. Please join Seth David and Erica Ed again soon for another edition and another complete story of success.